0: Today we are continuing our series on the practices that we as followers of Jesus participate in. Uh, again, if you are joining us now, listening to the message later, we would love to know that you were listening or watching. So be sure to check in using our church center app or the uh, or texting. And again, if if you hold on to that towards the end, or if you've already submitted one then we probably will do that again. Okay, so Praxis. This is the series that we are in. Praxis is based on the Greek word for our way of acting or our course of action, the things that we do as followers of Jesus. At Cornerstone, we exist to inspire and equip people to be fully in, wholehearted followers of Jesus, and this series emphasizes the equipping side. We're going to give you some practical tools to follow Jesus and to develop that kind of greenhouse atmosphere that we've been talking about so that you grow and are fruitful and are thriving in your walk with Jesus. The pattern that we're following is kind of the big outline for this whole series. We know God, grow together, go and Make a difference. And just by way of review, very briefly, under that category of knowing God, we want you to be communing with God on a regular basis. There are ordinances that go along with that. The next step is to say yes. When we talk about saying yes, we mean saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Two aspects of that one, that He is Savior. You want what Jesus did on the cross to count for you. And Jesus is Lord. He's the boss. He gets to call the shots. So from this point on, you are following him. The ordinances that Jesus established to celebrate and Uh, commemorate those decisions are baptism and communion when you say yes to Jesus for the first time you get baptized and then from that point on when we celebrate communion it is a reminder of that ongoing relationship in the same way that in a marriage you have a wedding and then you celebrate your anniversary then that's an ongoing process of saying yes to Jesus not just once at the start but on an ongoing basis. And so we encourage you to have a daily devotional habit. And in particular, we talk about life journaling, which is a process for reading and responding to God's word daily. We've done some messages about that. Now we are moving to the second next step, which still is under the idea of knowing God, communing with God, and that is worship. The core practice that goes with that is what we are doing now together. We worship God together weekly. Last week, we started talking about this process by talking about its roots in the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a once a day time of rest and worship, once a week time of rest and worship that was established under the old covenant, but is still relevant in many ways to today. Today, so, today we're going to talk about how you can make the Sabbath work. We kind of touched on it last week. Now we're going to go a little bit deeper. The idea of rest probably sounds good to a lot of us. But, as we've already mentioned before, it often does seem a little un- impractical as well. The idea of taking an entire day where you don't do any work, where you just set it aside for rest and worship is countercultural and seems impractical. However, however, we also find ourselves often in a situation where we are stressed, worn out, and our relationships are suffering. See if you can relate to this. You have an unending to-do list, not just at work, but also around the home as well. There's never a time where you're just sitting around saying, I don't have anything to do. All the laundry is done, the dishes are clean, the kids are taken care of. There's nothing wrong with the house that needs fixing, no improvement that I could make. Everything is just all taken care of. I can just sit back and be at ease. Now you all are smiling because you know, there's not many times where you've experienced that in your life. There's always something pressing in. And then as a result of that, because we're always trying to catch up with our to-do list, we get worn out physically, emotionally, spiritually, and also relationally as well. Do you know, you, have you noticed that as stress goes up, relationships suffer? The, uh, do, you, uh, do you get along better with your spouse or the people in your household, your roommates, your friends, when you're under extreme pressure or when things are relaxed and you have a little bit of breathing space? You all know the answer to that. So on the one hand, our culture and our, our just inner drive says a Sabbath is impractical. On the other hand, we are all experiencing the stress, the pressure, the breakdown in relationships that come when you always are driving with the tachometer in the red zone. So what do we do about that? So that's what this message is all about. It's how do you practically make a Sabbath work in your life? So today's message is the Sabbath at work. We are, of course, talking about the practice of the Sabbath. And here is the good news, the conviction that I hope that you will walk away with today. You can observe a Sabbath. You can observe a Sabbath. It is possible. It's doable. You can not only work it, you can also experience the benefits of it. In order for that to happen, here's what we're going to say. You have to be convinced that a Sabbath is beneficial. The benefits are going to outweigh the detriments and the difficulty. You will have to be convinced that the Sabbath is workable, that it is possible in your situation to experience a Sabbath on a weekly basis. And then lastly, I want you to see that the Sabbath is worship. We're gonna define what worship is and you'll see how it ties in. Not just going to church for an hour on Sunday, but but observing a Sabbath rest is an act of worship. And I'm once again gonna challenge you to commit to that next step, that main next step that we have of committing to worshiping together weekly and including the Sabbath practice as part of that. So let's look at it together. We're going to look at a passage, one of the controversy passages in the early chapters of Mark. uh, In the Gospel of Mark, it introduces Jesus. He starts out his ministry, and then it shows several controversy passages where he has a controversy, an argument, if you will, with the people of his day. And one of them is about observing the Sabbath. Actually, there are a couple that are about that. We're going to look at the one in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 27. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation if you'd like to follow along. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read the scriptures, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days of Abiathar, during the days when Abiathar was high priest, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you as a loving heavenly father who created us, knows us inside and out, wants to benefit and bless us. And so you established, you gave us this practice of the Sabbath. I pray, Lord, that you would give us insight, that you would give us conviction, that you would prompt us to obedience and to do those things, like observing a Sabbath, that are going to prompt growth and fruitfulness, longevity, health, and wholeness in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so again, I want you to leave today with the conviction that you can observe a Sabbath. And the only way you're gonna do that is if you think that the benefits outweigh the detriments, if the return on your investment is gonna be greater than your cost. So let's look at this key verse in this passage. It's Mark 2.27, and this is the summary statement that Jesus, that's the first part of a summary statement that Jesus is making. I just have to say, it feels so much better and so much cooler in here today. I'm feeling that fan blowing on me. Last week, I was sweating. Woo, I am so thankful and happy today. All right, so Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. If you're taking notes, underline circle, needs of people and not people meet to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. What is he saying there? The reason that God established this practice of a Sabbath was not, to, uh, not for some religious requirement, but because he created us, he knows us, and he wants to benefit us. So there are, I believe, many benefits to practicing a Sabbath. And I want to highlight a couple of them because I want you to leave with the conviction that it is beneficial, it is helpful, it is needful. You need this. So the first thing is to experience recovery. I was... um, reminded of this uh, principle when I went to a conference and it was talking, uh, this guy who was a I believe he was a doctor who was talking about and focused to On rest and recovery for athletes, but he had just written a book that made the application to your work setting as well. Most of you will probably know that if you're an athlete, you have to have intense workouts, but you also have to have a period of rest and recovery. It's actually in that time of rest and recovery where your muscles are healing that you build muscle and you gain that strength. And What this author was saying was, in the same way, you need a rest and recovery cycle to your work life as well. I know that as I'm to pick a task, preparing a message for the week, for example, it's very hard. It's too wearying to try to do from start to finish in one day. Even even if I a lot a lot of time for it, it's just it just wears me out, and so it works much better for me to do a start on this day, study on this day, put the the points and the keynote to- together this day, work on the growth guide this day. By spreading that out, there, I've introduced a rhythm into my work, it allows my body, my brain, my spirit. To recover. So if you are constantly on the go and just shifting from one to do list to the next, your body never gets a chance to recover, and you will pay for it. In the Old Testament, well, there was a seven-year Sabbath cycle for in their agricultural world where God told them to let the ground lay fallow on the seventh year. But they didn't do that. They're like, I got to eat. I got to make money. I'm going to work every year. And then when they went into exile, God said, now the land is going to get its Sabbath because you'll be gone. You'll be, you'll be in exile in another country your body is going to put you in exile if you don't take care of it. So you need the time to experience recovery and practicing a Sabbath does that. Another thing that it does is it helps you to gain perspective. I notice this, especially when we go away, when we go on vacation, when we get out of our house, when we go to another place, I just get greater perspective on my life because I've pulled myself out of my normal setting and my normal schedule and it just grants me perspective that I wouldn't have. I'll give you a parallel to something uh, in the financial realm, when I was a college student and I was you know all college students are generally poor, I was a poor college student. I did have a job i was i uh, would get you know maybe one hundred and sixty dollars every two weeks or something like that, but that was my money that was my living money and I went to a church uh, service, I think it was actually a concert. they were taking up an offering I had my paycheck in my pocket and I felt prompted by the Lord to just sign it over and give it away. That was all the money that I had for those two weeks, but I had felt prompted and I did that. And what I found was I still lived, <laughs> right? I, I'm still here, I made it. If you had asked me the afternoon before I went to that concert, do you need this money? Yes. I need it desperately. I cannot give it away. I can't afford to give it away. But by giving it away, what that did is it forced a little perspective. And it's like, okay, yeah, it was helpful. I'm not going to do that every week. But I, but I made it. When you, as an act of faith, decide to rest, just put a, press the pause button. That to-do list it's still gonna be there tomorrow. You're going to live. The things that you had to do today, that the whole world would fall apart if you didn't take care of, you find out it's still going to be okay. It gives you perspective. And by forcing yourself to do this as a part of your spiritual disciplines, the rhythms of grace in your life, you will gain that perspective. Last benefit that I'll mention, is it improves relationships. Uh, I love the principle that relationships happen in the margins. What does that mean? That means that if you're going to have good relationships, you have to have white space. You have to have open space in your schedule. I've noted before that many times Sue Ellen and I, when we go on vacation, that's when we have our best conversations. Why? Because we're forced to sit next to each other for hours on end with pretty much nothing else to do but to talk. When I am giving... People rides in my car, uh, like my children, particularly. I will sometimes ask them not to pull out a device. Why? Is it because I have a big conversation I want to have with them? No, I have no, I, I have nothing to talk to them about. But when they put their device away, you know what we talk about? Something. Something, we, there's something that happens because what have I done? I've created white space in our schedule. I've created a space for relationships to happen. I saw on Etsy a little handcrafted wooden box that they were selling that was for mobile phones. And the idea was that you put that in your dining room and then as people come in for dinner, they have to put that phone in the box. You close the box and there, there are no phones at the dinner table. Why? Because it creates the opportunity for relationships. Margin is necessary for relationships. When you create margin in your life, you are going to improve your relationships. Your stress will go down. The relationships will get better. So those are just a few of the benefits of observing a Sabbath. You can observe a Sabbath. You will be convinced that it is beneficial, but now you need to know that it's workable as well, because you may be convinced that it's beneficial, but unless you can see how a way to make it work, you're not going to do that. So let's look at the second half of this key verse, Mark two twenty-seven again. Sabbath was made, made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Circle that idea of the requirements of the Sabbath. The context for the situation that Jesus is dealing with is that the Sabbath-keeping was a very important part of the religious practice of his people at that day, at that time and in that day. And so it had been expanded greatly beyond what was in the scriptures of just observing a Sabbath and they had commentary on here are the things that you can do and that you can't do. This constitutes working. This is not uh, working. It was uh, You could go on a journey, but only a Sabbath day journey, a short journey. There were certain things that you could do or not do and it became so focused on that that the benefit or the reason behind it got lost. Don't do that. So let's just look practically at how you can make this work. Number one, find a trigger. Uh, We've talked a lot about triggers when we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. We talked about the triggers in the idea of developing a daily devotional habit, you know, before you have breakfast, before you turn on your computer, before you pick up your phone. Those are all triggers to say, I'm not going to do that until I've had my time with the Lord. Uh, we talked about coffee, remember? You, know, you don't have coffee until you met with Jesus. And I suggested, well, maybe for Jesus' benefit and for yours, go ahead and have your coffee. You'll both probably have a better experience. But that's a trigger. It's an example of a trigger. In the Old Testament, the sun down on what we would call Friday night, which was the beginning of the seventh day, in their understanding, that was the trigger. That was the beginning of the Sabbath. In your growth guides, you'll see a list of different triggers that are out there. I really have enjoyed watching and learned some things from watching my son John and his wife Mason as they've really focused in on this idea of observing a Sabbath. So when they were living and working in New York, Often on Friday evening, they would have a Sabbath dinner. It was a special dinner that they would prepare. They would often invite their friends over as well. It was a time to say, this is when our Sabbath begins and we're going to celebrate it by having a special meal, by inviting some friends over, and then they would often celebrate communion as a part of that as well. Then that carried over into the next day and they would do something that broke them out of their normal schedule, allowed them to experience all the benefits of the Sabbath observance on that Saturday. So what could be your trigger? I list some there. Maybe it's a certain meal. Maybe it's a time of the day. Maybe it's worship uh, together on Sunday morning. But just find some point where you need that hard line, that line in the sand that says, here's where it begins. Certain things I'm going to stop doing as I cross that line. And speaking of stopping and doing things, this is the next tip. Cease and desist. Cease and desist. you probably heard that before. I had to look up desist because I didn't know exactly what it meant. But cease means you stop doing something. And desist means you don't pick it up again. Uh, how often have you said, okay, I'm not going to look at my phone. Five minutes later, I'm looking at my phone. I'm not going to check email. Five minutes later, you're checking email. You remember that one email that you were looking for. So actually draw a hard line. You don't have to be legalistic about it. We'll talk about that in a second. But but stick to it and and decide, for this period of time, I'm just not going to do my normal stuff. Now, another tip that I found really helpful is, you know, we talk about rest. Have you heard the phrase, a change is as good as a rest? My work is mostly sedentary. So when my Sabbath comes around, I try to do something active. My work is mostly inside. When my Sabbath comes around, I try to do something outside. So change things up. And that is a way of changing your perspective. And it's a way of observing the Sabbath. You're ceasing your normal routine to do something different. So think about that. Last tip. Roll with the punches. Last week we talked about not being legalistic about that, and I put that definition in your growth guide again. But, uh, but you, you, you're going to have to adapt. I put the phrase, roll with the punches. Familiar phrase, uh, I, uh, I think of our budgeting software, YNAB. You need a budget, YNAB, uh, when I think of this. Because when they're training you how to do it, One of the tips that they say is one of the four principles for YNAB is to roll with the punches. In other words, when you set up your budget, it's going to be perfect, it's going to be wonderful, you'll have everything planned out, and then life happens. It's kind of like in the military, they say no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. No budget survives contact with target, right? It's just you're going to have to roll with the punches. In the same way, when you commit to a spiritual discipline, all of the powers of hell are going to descend upon you to try to break you out of it and to keep you From doing it. So you're going to have to be flexible. For me, there's a lot of flexibility in the day. Sunday is my big day. Observing a Sabbath on Saturday kind of defeats the purpose because I'm already getting ramped up for what's going to happen on Sunday. Monday works great for me. It's the day that's farthest away from Sunday. So often uh, Monday is my Sabbath day. Uh, And maybe you can't do a full 24-hour period. Maybe you do a 12-hour period to start. Maybe you do 36 hours. You know, that's uh, usually when I'm done on Sunday until Monday evening, That's that's those are my deadlines there. But I'm going to be flexible. I'm, it's not a law, it's a principle. So I'm going to observe the principle, but I'm not going to be legalistic about it. So if something doesn't work for you a particular day, a particular activity, a particular whatever, don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Figure out a way that works for you so that you can experience the benefits of a Sabbath. So you can observe a Sabbath, whatever conviction, whatever problems, whatever obstacles you thought you had when you came in, you've seen how it's beneficial and it is workable. You can make it work. But lastly, I want you to see how the Sabbath is worship. This is the true culmination of that passage. It's the last sentence, the way that Jesus Kind of draws a bold underline under the whole thing. Did you notice it? So, Jesus said, the Son of Man, and that's again, of course, how he referred to himself, is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Now, he's just said that the Sabbath was created to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And so we think about, you know, yeah, well, the, 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 the spirit of the law is more important than the letter of the law. And we can relate to that and we can understand that. But And that's true. That's a great application of what Jesus is saying, but it actually goes beyond that. It has something to do with who Jesus is and who he is to us. The son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an act of worship. Uh, when I was still in college, I did a study on what exactly is worship. What does is, what is, what is the Bible say is worship? And I found out something that was interesting. There is no just one word that's translated and used for what we use the word worship for. It's actually a bunch of different words. Sometimes it's serve. Sometimes it's bow the knee. Sometimes it's kiss the hand. It's uh, these actions or these practices that are worship. Sometimes it's offering a sacrifice, but there's no one thing that defines worship in the Bible. And so what I saw was that worship is actually uh, all of these things and what do all of these things have in common? They are some way that you are acknowledging who God is. When you bow down, what are you doing? You are acknowledging that you are bowing before someone who is greater than you. When you offer a sacrifice, you are acknowledging that you are Your sins have offended a holy God and you need forgiveness for your sins. So the quote that you'll see in your growth guide is this. Worship is the acknowledgement of God in any and every aspect of life. Worship is the acknowledgement of God. It's a way that you recognize who he is and who you are in relation to him. Now, last week, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about its relevance and how the Sabbath can remind you that he's your sustainer, that he's your creator, he's your redeemer. It reminds us of the resurrection of Jesus. It does all of these things. But the thing that Jesus focuses in on on this passage is that word Lord, that the son of man is Lord even over The Sabbath. Think of the illustration that Jesus used. They're feeding themselves with grain on the Sabbath. The Pharisees have a problem with that because the way they define the Sabbath, that was outside the bounds of what was acceptable. So Jesus tells this interesting story. It's about King David. And he had been anointed as king, but had not yet taken his place as king and in fact the current person in the place of king was Saul and he was persecuting he was chasing down David David is on the run with his followers he comes to Abiathar the high priest and says we need to eat he's, he's the pre- high priest says well there's this sacred bread but only the priests are allowed to eat it but he gives it to David and to his men, and they eat. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you can see how David did something that was contrary to the law, but he's not condemned for it. And in fact, the high priest is the one who gave him that. Now you are condemning me on my mission but there's someone who's greater than David. David was preparing to take his place as king over the nation. And Jesus is proclaiming, he's on mission with his followers, saying, the kingdom of God is near. I'm about to take my place as rightful king. So by giving David and his men the bread, the high priest was saying, look, this is more important I'm serving the king. And when we observe the Sabbath, when Jesus said, I am Lord even over the Sabbath, what is he saying? There's a new regime coming into power. There's a new kingdom that is being unfurled. And I am that king. And I take precedence over any of these rules and any of this rule keeping. I'm the one who is actually Lord, I'm the master, I'm the Messiah, I'm in charge. What was Jesus doing? He was saying, yeah, the rule keeping versus the spirit of the law, yeah, yeah. But you're missing the point if you don't recognize Jesus for who he was in the midst of that. And when we observe a Sabbath, what we are doing is we are acknowledging God's place. We are worshiping. We're saying, you're God and I'm not. You're always at work. You're always going to accomplish everything that needs to accomplish. You don't need me. I don't have to do this. I can rest. And what you're doing is acknowledging his sovereignty, his lordship, his place in your life. The Sabbath is an act of worship so let me encourage you to take a next step number one maybe for some who are listening you've never acknowledged jesus as lord the idea of getting some rest and and relaxation and taking some time off sounds good you see the benefits but don't miss the point that it's ultimately about your relationship with your heavenly Father. Has there ever been a time where you said, I want what you did on the cross, Jesus, to count for me? You died for the sins of the whole world, I I wanna be included in that, it's not automatic. And then from that point on, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna acknowledge you as Lord. The way that we do that here to indicate that so that we can celebrate it and encourage you and resource you is if you're filling out the card, do a double circle around say yes. If you're doing it online, you'll see that there's a checkbox in the next steps. I'm doing this, I'm saying yes for the first time. But I'll also encourage you to move past that to the idea of the worship commitment, that worship next step. The practice, the main practice, is that we gather together like we're doing right now to observe the Sabbath. We are taking a time away And we are doing something different. We are resting, but we are also worshiping. We're acknowledging God by taking this time and doing that. So fill out the card. Today we've been talking about the Sabbath. You can observe a Sabbath. You've seen that it's beneficial. You've seen that it's workable. And now we recognize it as beyond that, that it is actually worship. Circle the worship. Mark that in the check-in if you're filling it in online. Say, I'm going to take this step of faith, this act of worship, and commit to worshiping together weekly, and let's see how that will benefit you, and recognize that you are worshiping by doing so. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm just struck by that phrase that uh, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the needs or the requirements of the Sabbath, that you want to bless your people. And so you establish this practice. It's not a law. It's not a salvation issue. It's not a have to. It's a get to. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take that step of faith to commit to worshiping together weekly both in this public way as we gather together, but also in the way that we press pause on our lives to acknowledge you, your provision, your sovereignty, your right to rule, your lordship in our lives. Accept this act as an act of worship. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Amen, have a great week.